Stop the press! It's on! After two sellout events, the Wellness Summit returns to Melbourne in 2015 for two days of powerhouse wellness with your favourite wellness couch host and Australia's wellness elite. Join us at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on Saturday, August 15 and 16 for an inspirational, educational, fun, exciting, sensational cocktail of wellness that promises to help you take your life to the next level. Tickets are going like hotcakes and why wouldn't they be? Two days of powerhouse wellness featuring the up for a chat girl the new couch rock star Kale Brock, the natural nutritionist Steph Lowe, special guest Nat Kringudis, Quirky Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, the wellness guys, and more. A limited number of two for one tickets are now available to the public, but you must hurry before they sell out. To find out more, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. Thewellnesscoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Backchat, exploring the five pillars of health with Dr. Paul Bergamo and Dr. Anthony Coxon. Welcome to Backchat. My name is Paul Bergamo and it's great to be here on our next podcast. Backchat explores the five pillars of health that refers to being your best in thinking, eating, moving, sleeping. And also in neurology. Today we're going to explore the health pillar of being your best in all five pillars. To help me, it's a great pleasure, I introduce my fellow chiropractor and co-host, Anthony Coxon. Hi Anthony, how are you? Hi Paul, great to be here again, looking forward to another great podcast. Excellent. So, what's news? Well, you know what, I learnt a new phrase this week. Okay. First world problems. First world World problems. Okay, it was described. I, I, I just overhearing a conversation about uh-huh. uh, a friend whose dishwasher had broken down, and they were complaining and whinging about that. And uh, another one of my mates came up and said, "That is such a first world problem." Of course, meaning that why are you whinging about something that is so menial? And don't we get sometimes caught up in the minutiae of life, the little problems that are, that we are faced with, when really people have enormous problems or enormous challenges that they can overcome and it really makes those little first world problems just seem so hopeless and ridiculous. Okay. So today we have the first of our inspirational speakers. We do. We do. And this is someone who has overcome some very big challenges, the sort of challenges that you and I probably haven't really experienced in our life before. we haven't. Um, And we've learned so much from uh, the experts, and now we've got the chance to listen to someone who's really experienced it, a real inspirational individual, and I can't wait to talk to her. No, excellent. And and, uh, look, we are are going to be speaking to a lady by the name of Lisa Cox. Lisa has experienced acquired brain injury, and uh, in her time before this, she was an award-winning writer in the corporate world with two university degrees, international travel, and national sporting accomplishments behind her. Life was going pretty good. In fact, it was great. Then at 24 years of age, Lisa contracted a rare form of Streptococcus A virus uh, infection, which triggered a brain hemorrhage, putting her in a coma and shutting down really all her internal organs. Lisa actually died twice, and doctors warned her parents that they might have to turn off these support systems. She spent three weeks in a coma and two months in intensive care, and Anthony, you know, just from that, you know, we're going to have an amazing podcast with this with Lisa. I think we are. Lisa, how are you going? Hey, great. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Excellent. 
Now, Lisa, if you could just give our listeners some background about your medical history and just tell us what happened. No worries. Well, you've done a great job of explaining the first bit. Obviously, a, a rare form of strabe caused my brain hemorrhage. And after that, complete organ failure, two heart attacks. Spent the next year in hospital. Had my left leg, all of my toes, and nine fingertips amputated. Mm. Uh, heart surgery and a total hip replacement all before the age of 30. So that was great fun. Wow. And now, yeah. of course, I have an uh, unacquired brain injury. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. And now I'm, I'm still, still back to living the great life I once was, just with a, a, few, a few less limbs and a few more scars, I suppose. So this is a really an incredible thing and, a, and an incredible challenge you've had to overcome. What's, what's day-to-day life like for you now and, and <clears throat> how much of your injuries sort of you know, slow you down on, on a day-to-day basis? Well, sure, they slow down terribly when it comes to getting up a flight of stairs. I'm in a wheelchair these days. So um, I have to admit, though, that I won't use any of my disabilities as an excuse for, for not living life to the maximum. I still make it to the gym as often as I can. And I know you've spoken before in your podcast about the five bills of health. So I try as best I can to um, follow, follow all of them and eat eat exercise, all of those things, sleep well as best I can and not use disabilities or brain injury as an excuse. So, Lisa, just explain to us, just for our listeners, so when you say, you know, when, when a patient of ours, for instance, says, you know, when we say to them, hey, let's do some more exercise, we've got to do a bit more exercise, lose some weight perhaps, and, you know, let's go down to the gym and and they come back to us saying, oh, look, I just haven't been able to do it. Tell us how what, what, what it takes for you to go to the gym. Well, it's, it's an interesting, interesting trip down there. I was going to a few funny looks, but I think everyone's used to seeing me there now in my wheelchair. And I do what I can. Admittedly, that's that's not an awful lot, but I do what I can, and that's what I encourage everybody to do, regardless of your your physical your physical state, your exercise ability. You do you do what you can with with you with um do what you can with yes. with the body you've got, and yeah. and that's certainly what I do. So, so brain injury affects everybody differently. Um, in my case, I've got epilepsy. I'm over a quarter blind, um, and I've got on problem, ongoing problems with my memory and fatigue. My voice has also been affected, as you can you can probably tell. Not really, to be um, honest. And from time to time, I'll, I'll stumble over my words. But um, I, you asked me before how I, I make the most of each day. And I suppose I set little goals for myself. And at first, that in hospital in particular, that was things like using cutlery. I was on a feed tube for six months and then was fed by staff and family for a few months afterwards. So it's just using cutlery was the first goal I set for myself. Then standing up by myself for one minute, that took me two years of practice, oh, lots wow. of failure. Um, mm. Walking around the cricket pitch with Dad with a walking frame and just a few years ago walking down the aisle with um, my mm. mother and father on either side of me at my wedding. So, little bit by little bit, I've, I've built up those goals. So, wow. so that, that's really incredible. Let, let's go back to you and maybe just take it a little bit slowly uh, through your experience from being in hospital. So, from the time you woke up from coma, what, mm. what, what did you know had happened? To be completely honest, I was in, I was a space cadet for the. Mm. <laughs> so I called myself for the first few months. I was on some 
some really great medication. It was it was great because it took away a lot of pain, but at the same time it it made me made me extremely drowsy. Uh, the first thing I, I remembered was just looking down at my body and not being able to move anything. Mm. No matter how much I wanted to, and that was incredibly frustrating, not really understanding what had happened or why it had happened. Mm. And my my family tentatively fed me a little bits and pieces of information. I found out um, later that I'd been I'd been told several months earlier that my leg would be amputated, only because of my brain injury. I'd forgotten that, so I I cried, and mm. the next morning I woke up and I'd completely forgotten about it. So they they told me again a few months later, and this time I remembered. Right. So I mean, Anthony, when we talk about you know how important family is, I mean, uh, from what. I understand from what Lisa said here and getting to know Lisa a bit before the podcast, having, in effect, Lisa, you had your family really all around you during the time, really, when you had your, when you're in coma and... That's can you, correct. Can you explain what family, they were, Explain. Family and friends, so we in Melbourne straight away um, and at my bedside almost 24-7 for, for two months uh, camping out in, uh, in the hospital while I was down there until... I came off life support and could be moved back to Queensland to another hospital. So and I've been at my side ever since. So, so Lisa, explain, you've got your obviously mum and dad, brothers, my sisters? My sister yeah. and brother and Ryder Franklin, my new nephew and my wonderful husband. Fantastic. And and, and so when you, you were in hospital for, for how long? The first time for just over a year. And wow. then I went back at, at various stages for what was supposed to be day surgery and that lasted two weeks and I had open heart surgery a couple of months ago and that was, oh sorry, a couple of years ago, that was just over a month and uh, just last month I was in, in for a couple of nights. So here and there I seem to be popping back in for a visit but over a year was the uh, the main one the first time. So you've uh, obviously, you know, come in leaps and bounds and your determination and support of mm. your family has obviously been, a, you know, critical Phenomenal. in helping Phenomenal. you along there. And you mentioned before how you're in the gym and that you're doing the best with what you have, but it's you're also exercising your your brain, not just your body. You're uh, you're involved in organisations that to help uh, support people with brain injury. That's correct. I'm involved with Sign Up. So I'm one of their ambassadors. I've been incredibly fortunate to have an amazing family around me, but obviously, uh, very unfortunately, not everybody is uh, in quite the same position. So Sign-Ups are an organisation, a brain injury association, dedicated to reconnecting lives of people affected by brain injury, their family and other people in their lives. Don't you love that name, Synapse, uh, Paul? As people who uh, know a bit about neurology, of course, the Synapse is the connection between uh, two nerves and or a nerve and a receptor and... What a great name that encompasses. And you just basically gave a neurological description in the big picture there, connecting people in their lives. That's, That's right. fantastic. And, and isn't, That's what we aim to do. And isn't Lisa a living example of neuroplasticity? Isn't she? You know yes. what I mean? I mean, what, a, what a, an amazing, you know, where she's come from and, you know, having to just go through the basics of being able to walk, brush your teeth, feed yourself. You know, it's, you know, she's reconnected. Uh, within the cerebral cortex, you know, pathways and tracks that were become dormant in light of the infection, 
and maximised her potential and continues to do so with her work. Um, so with Synapse, what, what's, what, what sort of roles do you do with Synapse, uh, Lisa? Can you explain a bit more about um, your ambassadorial roles with the organisation? Sure, well, I'll tell you first a bit more about Synapse. They, they provide things like accommodation for people who perhaps need a bit more assistance with living, um, a quarterly publication for people seeking more advice about brain injury, whether or not they have one themselves, training education and phone assistance for anyone wishing to receive more information about, about brain injury or whether or not they have one again. So it's a great online resource for people seeking more information and I was working there in uh, a marketing role, marketing communications capacity, which was my previous role. I'm now doing work with the hospitals. Startups are currently undertaking a program where they're trying to get hospital liaisons in. So just to put it in my, in my own situation, my, my family and I had absolutely no idea what to do, who to turn to, what a brain injury was 10 years ago. And what signups are hoping to do is get some people in the hospitals to speak to families like my own and explain to them what to expect and what's going on. So yeah, you're uh, obviously from the start you had great support from your family, but I, what are you, I hear you saying here is there wasn't other support services beyond your basic medical care to really help you through that next phase? Uh, there were certainly support services out there. I probably didn't know about all of them at the time, so it it would have been would have been wonderful to um, have known about signups back then, but unfortunately, I didn't. They were certainly around; though. they've been around for over thirty years now. Right. Okay. So you're sort of moving into a bit of a role by the, by the sounds of it, least of advocacy, sort of trying. That's correct. Is that your sort advocacy of role? And disability advocacy, all of those sorts of things. We've got some other wonderful ambassadors, people with her, unlike myself, people with quite a quite a profile. So. Uh, Jonathan Thurston, who's a, a footballer, Hugh Bowman, who's an award-winning or a, a race-winning jockey, people like that. We've got an ambassador over in America okay. as well. So there's a few of us around. And look, it's you know, it's it's great anything to have those ambassadors, those high-profile people to try and get the name out there. But you know, it's it's great to have someone like Lisa as well, who I suppose people who've gone through acquired brain injury can really relate. And a a living example of how you can really turn your life around. I mean, Lisa's just done a remarkable thing from being in a coma for so long, a hospital for over a year, not to mention the other stays, having to learn how to eat, brush your teeth and, you know, those simple things that we take for granted. You know, you really are. It's amazing what you've done, Lisa. It really is. So, Lisa, for our listeners, can can you just tell us a bit more about what acquired brain injury is? Sure, I can. So... Acquired brain injury, quite simply, is really any form of brain damage after birth, and it covers a whole spectrum of uh, disabilities and a whole spectrum of conditions. So PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, trauma to the brain from a stroke, tumours, Parkinson's disease, dementia, concussions. Um, often we'll hear about footballs and, and sporting, sporting people getting concussions on the field. Um, substance abuse, of course, as well. Okay. So there's there's a whole range and a whole spectrum of, of causes for acquired brain injury. Importantly, it doesn't discriminate by age, race, gender, mm. or anything like that. I was 24 and a non-smoker when I had my stroke, so certainly not a, a high-risk candidate. And um, 
1.6 million Australians are affected by acquired brain injury. That's approximately one in 12. Wow. That's a huge number of people. So it's, you could probably say quite accurately that we all know somebody with a brain mm. injury, even though we may not realize it at the time. Now, I spoke before about how I was impressed with the name Synapse. Here's another name that I'm even more impressed with, uh, which is the, um, I guess, the catchphrase, I suppose, for Brain, origi- uh, brain Awareness Week. And it's, uh, and if I get this right, uh, Bang on a Beanie Week. Tell us about that. That's, that's correct. Bang on a Beanie, as the name suggests, Bang on a Beanie. And for anyone out there internationally who doesn't know what a beanie is, it's <laughs> a, a warm, warm piece of headwear. So Bang on a Beanie is encouraging everyone to get online to bangonabeanie.com and purchase the beanie to take the stigma out of brain injury awareness. We often refer to it as the invisible disability because you can't you can't really draw attention to something that you can't see. So we thought, what better way to draw attention to brain injury awareness than put a big bright blue beanie on your head? Well, it'll be. So, it's very, uh, I guess, applicable for, for people in Australia because the 17th to the 23rd of August, which is when it is, is uh, right uh, in the colder months of, uh, well, at least in the southern part of Australia, maybe not for far north Queensland. Are we cool down here in Melbourne? Oh, we, we get a little bit chilly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bang it's on a beanie freezing. every so often and I'll, I'll make sure to do it uh, in August. Okay. Is, it, is um, Brain Awareness Week a, an international week or is it just in Australia? In Australia, as some dates you mentioned, uh, different countries around the world will have their own brain awareness months, weeks, and those sorts of things. So depending on where you are in the world, you might just want to check check where that is. I know they're a little bit different over in the States, but it's the third week of August over, over here in Australia. So what happens in this week and where does all the, the money go that is uh, raised during the week? Well, the great thing is that 100% of the profits raised of all the money raised, goes directly to sign up, supporting people with brain injury. And at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, there's a hospital liaison project um, that sign-ups are looking into funding. So that's what we'll be, we'll be supporting this year. But 100% goes to, goes to sign-ups and supporting people with brain injury, accommodation, publications, those sorts of things. And look, just, Anthony, to back up, Lisa, you know, when I checked out the website, Synapse, just to understand the organisation, I mean, they've got a full declaration of all their financials, all the reports there. So it's, you know, it's a very transparent organisation. I think um, in today's world, sometimes some charities maybe aren't as transparent and, you know, we get concerned that we we give a dollar and how much of that dollar goes to the organisation, how much goes to, you know, the CEO and admin and all the rest. Yeah. So, you know, Synapse is... That's exactly right, I've seen it. Seen it firsthand. It's all going where it should. Excellent, fantastic. Great to know. No, that's really important to hear. Uh, Lisa, you know, and Anthony, I suppose when I hear the word disability, I don't. I don't in some ways, I don't. It, it conflicts with me with what Lisa's gone through because, in many ways, I think she's very able to what she's done. You know, and so Lisa, can you? And you mentioned the term earlier. Can you explain the term invisible disability? Can you explain that for our listeners? Sure. Invisible disability is something we quite often use to describe an acquired brain injury. The reason is that you can't see, you often can't see the damage from an acquired brain injury. So I'm probably not the best example of that. I have a wheelchair, I'm scarred from head to toe, and I've got prosthetic limbs. So there's 
it's very obvious to look at me that something's going on. <laughs> but for many people with acquired brain injury, there will be no wheelchair, no prosthetic limbs, no scars, and they often have to justify themselves and almost make excuses or uh, try and, sorry, not make excuses, but explain themselves as to why they perhaps can't understand something or have forgotten something or have trouble concentrating and all the other side effects of, of a brain injury. It's, it's interesting, Anthony, because, you know, the public may be ignorant, mightn't they, about this in the context and, you know, you know, with Lisa, she's ex- explained her situation and there'll be a lot of other um, acquired brain uh, trauma cases that are going to be more covert, harder to see. And we yeah, might and we, and we might see them at, you know, the shopping centre and we might make, we may pass some negative judgments, which are so wrong. Well, that's it. They might just think a person's being rude yes. or they haven't paid attention exactly to me. Right. Um, and, and, you know, uh, like you said, that, that some things of these are very obvious and quite often quite often they're not. Yeah, so something for us to all think about, I think. So, so I guess further to that is obviously where you're trying to raise awareness to acquired brain injury. Um, how do you feel you're treated when you, you're out and about at the gym? Do you get, uh, do people feel uncomfortable coming up to you to say hello? Um, do they try and be overly sympathetic? What's what's your all take on the, all this? All of the above. <laughs> okay. All of the above. Um, I was only recently, someone came up to me at the gym and said, geez, you're brave. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to the gym. Right. I, don't, I don't see anything I'm doing as particularly particularly brave mm. um i certainly don't feel sorry for myself and i don't want mm. anybody to feel sorry for me so mm. um i don't need to be, be stepped on or sorry walked on stepped on eggshells around or anything like that and yeah. um i just want to be treated the same way as everybody else talk to me like you, you talk to anybody else and i still mm. have the same roles and values that i had 10 years ago yes yeah. absolutely absolutely and i think um I mean, when I, when I spoke to you beforehand, Lisa, um, when we first connected, you described to me a bit about, you know, your your sort of re- your resilience and, you know, with your achievements before the brain infection. And I think, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, that you felt that was, you know, in your grain, that's probably helped you get through what you've gone through? Ah, oh, that's correct. I remember that conversation. Uh Previously, before I before I fell ill, I played a lot of, of competitive sports. Um, played a lot of volleyball, for example, and on on the volleyball court, you or any sporting field really, you you mess up. You haven't got time to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You you get on and you do the next thing you've got to do, and it's it's very quick. And I took that same approach really to um to overcome or help me overcome all of this. What happened had happened. There was nothing I could do. That would would change it. No amount of sitting around uh, feeling sorry for myself would make my leg grow back. And the only way to deal with that was to just move on and live live the best life I could with the new body that I had. Excellent. And tell me about you mentioned uh, uh, this earlier, but uh, obviously there's some some pretty special things that have happened in your life uh, since your injury. And um, one of them, of course, was getting married. And you said how important it was for you to stand and walk down mm-hmm. the aisle with your uh, mum and dad. Tell us, tell us about that day. That's right. It was a very, very special day. Mum and dad, my whole family, but mum and dad have supported me 
mm. um, especially while while I was sick. So it was it was quite symbolic that they were quite literally helping me down the aisle, one on one on each arm. It was, I suppose, important to me to to make that short little walk, but I made it in the end. I stumbled and wobbled and looked ridiculous, but I made it. And I'm sure your husband would have been delighted to to have you there. Did you meet him after your injury or was that before? No, I met him afterwards. We'd been together for roughly six six or so years before we got married. Fantastic. Well, that's a great story, isn't it? Excellent. And you mentioned the word gratitude a lot. Well, you've mentioned it a lot in your writing that I've read. Can you explain to our, our back chat audience what you're grateful for? Lisa. Sure. Well, that's a huge question. It is. We could go for a while on that one. I think. Yeah. So, so, so many things. Yes. Um, to to nut it out to the essentials. So I'm really quite grateful for what I can do and what I do have, rather than thinking about what I can't do and what I don't mm. have. So mm. I I don't have a lot of things, including a leg, and I can't do a lot of things, including drive. But there's there's certainly a lot that I can do and things that I do have, I speak to a lot of women who um, might be struggling with body image and those sorts of things and okay. take the same approach to be grateful for the body you do have and what it can do. I look down at my body, I see missing pieces and scars everywhere, but aside from that, I'm so grateful for the, the fact that I can see anything at all. Originally mm. I was told that I might be blind when I came out of the coma the stroke occurred right near my optic nerve, so the fact that I can see anything at all is pretty damn exciting for me, even if it even if it is not always so great. It's really interesting, Anthony, in regards our very what's the term, sort of cosmetic, you know, looking in the mirror, we're gonna look great type world and you know, it it's a bit of a reality check, isn't it? talking to Lisa. Oh, absolutely, and what a great way to live your life, just to look at what you're grateful for, yes. you know, to, to, you know, to be able to smell the roses, to be able to appreciate the world around you and look for what's uh, wonderful, because you can, plenty, it's plenty easy for everyone to find, you know, things wrong with their lives, but it's just uh, not a fun way to live life, really, is it? Certainly not an inspiring way to live life. Well, it isn't, and I think, you know, when I look at, as fathers as we are, of, of adolescent to adult children, you know, um... It's a great real. It's a great motto that I think we can sort of take from what you're saying here, and uh, teaching our kids, and hopefully our other listeners and parents who teach their kids to, and also adults for that matter, to be really grateful what we've got versus worrying about what we don't have. I mean, you know, we can spend a lot of time going through um, why we're not happy because of A, B, C, D, and E versus saying, well, you know what, we've got some fantastic things in our lives, and let's be. Be appreciative of that. Life's not so bad after all. Uh, Lisa, you're, you've, you've been an inspiration to uh, you know literally thousands of people, but who inspires you? Hmm. Lots of people inspire me, but, but going back to your original question, I would have to admit that I really don't see myself as an inspiration, to be honest. I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just getting on with life. And to be called an inspiration, very nice, but... Uh, Probably a bit of an overstatement because I'm not doing anything anything different to anybody else. I've just got a few more challenges like like everybody. My challenges, I get over them on four wheels. Yep. So my own family inspires me enormously. 
I've had uh, business people in my life who've inspired me and certainly medical professionals. I've, I've met a lot of outstanding medical professionals over the years who continue to amaze me with not only their compassion for patients but their amazing, amazing abilities on the surgical table. I think, um, you know, also I think, Anthony, that with Lisa, you'd be, you, and you go, getting to know you, I know you have no ego, right? And um, when That's we, clear. That's clear. And we say, yeah, you're an inspiration. I know you're not going to say you are, but you are, and that's the bottom line. Um, you are to us. That's to are to us and to everyone listening to this podcast will be concurring with that. There's no question about that. And I'd imagine, you know, what you're also developing is leadership amongst, you know, those around you, those who have acquired brain injury. I think... Um, Especially as you described about your advocacy role where, you know, those who are going through the starts of this sort of process, um, I would imagine, you know, that role now for you is going to be so important to help uh, those who are starting this road, you know, who have, who have gone through the initial stages. Can you, is, are there any experiences that you can maybe share of that, of recent note or anything you'd like to mention about that? Sure, well... Getting back to the, the inspiration point that we were on, I guess if there's only one thing that people take from, from what I'm saying today, it's that I'd love them all to be their own source of inspiration. So it's wonderful to draw inspiration from outside, from other people, from, from business professionals, from leaders, from whoever it may be, God, whatever that means to you. But there are some times when we have to draw on ourselves for inspiration and our own cheerleaders, yes. our own news in the mirror. Mm. So that's that's what I really really hope anyone in a situation with with a brain injury could could take on board as well. But they there are times when it's just you in the hospital bed and you don't have the uh, all of the sources of inspiration around you, whoever that may be, and you have to draw on your own your own experiences and draw on yourself as that source of inspiration. That's beautiful, Lisa. You know, you've achieved an amazing amount in the last decade and I'm really fascinated to, to sort of hear what's your vision for yourself in the next five years. Oh, geez, I don't even know what I'm doing next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, 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 can, you can break that down to a year, yeah, six, yeah, whatever yeah. you like to. You know, your, no, you know, your thoughts on the future. My five-year plan, yeah, that's right. uh, well, I've got some half-written manuscripts that need a bit more love and attention. Okay. Uh, my husband and I have a few overseas travels planned for the, um, the next Fantastic. few years. And to be honest, I just want to continue exactly what I'm already doing. I absolutely love the work I'm doing now and just hope for more of the same, I guess. Can you share with our audience about your um, authorship or your, your work of writing? I can share some, but certainly there's the, the two books that are published to date and Wombat Books that published them are two books about body image and media literacy because I spent roughly 10 years in the advertising and media industry and I've spent a lot of time speaking with young people about body image and those sorts of things. So the book is, is really, a, or both of the books for boys and girls, is really a go-between. I'm writing a memoir and a book on brain health just to keep things interesting. So there's wow. a, a, a spectrum there. Can you, just, can you just tell us the names of the books, please, so then people can, if they're interested, they can purchase sure. them? Sure. So the, Does my... The, 
the book, the, the first two books that are out by Wombat Books, does my bum look bigger than this ad and media muscle. And you can find out more about those on my site, which is newsinthemirror.com. Okay. You'll have a, a little bit there and you can contact the publisher to get some get some books for that. It's great that the publishers actually got behind Lisa too, you know. That's, that's Absolutely. Great. Now, um, I, I guess we, we ask this question uh, typically uh, of our guests and uh, because mostly it's experts giving us information and we want to yes. find out more about them. We seem like we've found a lot about yes. Lisa already. Um, but I, I guess in your journey uh, through your uh, acquired brain injury and your recovery from there, was there a, a particular point, and I imagine this would have been through your recovery period, where you just decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get over this. I'm gonna achieve this. I'm gonna uh, write books. I'm gonna start going to the gym. When did you feel like it sort of switched and changed for you from going from being, oh my god, this terrible thing has happened to, it's okay. Uh, I'm gonna take this on with love and gratitude, and I'm gonna make it work for me. It has really been a, a very gradual process. Yeah. So. For the, for the first few months, for example, I could not move a muscle. I could twitch twitch my nose and that was about it. So I couldn't even think about writing books or, or those sorts of things. And I looked down at my legs and couldn't move them no matter how much I wanted to. So that became, became my first focus. And something I clearly remember is, is using visualisation to achieve that. So it was something I used to use in volleyball when I was playing sport and couldn't use, uh, couldn't move my legs. But if I closed my eyes and thought about it, I could gradually twitch, twitch my toes and things like that. So right. using, using that process repeatedly. Um, and now I'm, I'm living independently and moving independently. So it's, it's been a very, very gradual process. I didn't come out of the comb and go, right, time to write a book. Yep. And look, you know, the neuroscience applications today of visualisation, you know, it's what Lisa's, she's a living example of it and using the, the approach. And I mean, elite sport use it to visualise, don't yep. they, in regards trying to see that you know, ability to make that high jump and yep. make that long jump, seeing themselves uh, go through the process to, to reach that perfect sort of um, uh, execution, if you like. And, you know, there's there's... Developments in neuroscience saying how visualization can be used to you know, build strength, build neuronal pools, you know, optimize areas, and uh, without actually sometimes even visibly doing the work, just using the brain. Well, it's a logical thing for, for a lot of people. I think they can relate to it, but there's a lot of neuroscience now that shows, well, this is how it works, and it does work. And Lisa's a perfect example of it. It definitely, definitely does work. I, I guarantee you that. You mentioned before that, that um, you've, you've had a lot of experts on the show and I'm the, the first non-expert and that's sort of the capacity that I'm working in now with a lot of hospitals. I work with them as, as the non-expert at training and educational um, conferences and seminars. So there'll be a conference on a certain issue and I'll be the non-expert in the room and the very first to admit that I have absolutely no clinical experience However, I do have over a decade of lived experience, so I um, just bring a different perspective to the table. And, you know, we can get absorbed with literature. Ah. We can get absorbed with, okay, this is a clinical trial saying that this must be the answer to do this. 
But sometimes we've got to just we've got to get back to the basics, don't we? Well, the richness is in living it, isn't it? Yes. And that's what Lisa's all about. Lisa, what we like to do as we get towards the end of the Back Chat podcast is uh, try and give our listeners some take-home messages. Mm-hmm. So, could you give three practical tips, uh, perhaps for our listeners to get the most out of their day every day? Sure. Okay. First one I'd have to say would be to celebrate the small stuff. Celebrate the small accomplishments, no matter how small or insignificant they may seem to everybody else. Uh, You mentioned earlier, Anthony, that in 2005 my parents were told they might have to turn off my life support. To speak to anybody, to communicate, I had to point at a board of letters just to spell out my name. So the fact that I'm speaking with you mm. this evening is a huge personal Amazing. accomplishment for me. It might mean very little to everybody else. No, it's huge. But um, it's, it's massive to me. So I encourage everybody, not necessarily those who've had a brain injury, to celebrate the small stuff while they're, they're aiming for the big goal at the end. That's great. Mm. And, you know, celebrate it, not, not sweat on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really just do the right stuff and versus sweating on the small stuff and getting stressed over it, you know, do, doing something about it. Are there any other tips, Lisa, as well? Sure. Um, as I mentioned previously, just focusing on what you can do and what you do have, not what you can't do and what you don't have. So as I as I mentioned already, there's, there's certainly a lot of things I don't have and can't do, but I try not to focus on them and try to focus on the leg that I do have and the one kilo weights that I can lift rather than the, the big ones that I can't lift and all the things that I can't do. And was and was that sort of your initial one of your biggest initial challenges when you when you've when you've in your recovery? Which part, sorry? In the context of uh, focusing your energies on what you can do now versus what you mm-hmm. couldn't do. Did, was that a big step for you it, to make through? I think it was. And that was again another learning experience that came from my previous history in sports, especially volleyball, when I when I very first started volleyball, I was terrible, absolutely terrible. Couldn't do a single thing. And right. I just knew that by practicing and practicing and practicing, um, slowly I got a little bit better and a little bit better. And five years later, I was on a national team. So things things did get better with persistence. So I took that same approach and focused on what I could do rather than just giving up and going, well, I can't do this. I failed numerous times, but... I'm pretty proud of my failures these days. Yeah, amazing. And is there a third take-home message? Sure. I'd really like everyone to to remember and to really be emphasised that you are the one ultimately in control of your own life. Responsible, You're responsible for your own life and your own actions. I take 100% responsibility for everything I do. Um and I don't try to blame the government or media or marketers or anything like that, but I encourage everyone to take on some personal responsibility for their own actions. That's beautiful. With, yeah, and with look- disability, there's certainly a lot of things that are taken out, out of your control, but um, I prefer to focus on things that are still in my control. So going back to your five pillars of health, things like exercise, the food I eat, all those sorts of things are within my control to help manage brain injury, disability, and just live a, a generally awesome life. Fantastic. What do you reckon, Anthony? Well, that's 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 a 
The great thoughts to leave us with, isn't it? It's beautiful. And look, you know, Lisa's our first, if I can say, inaugural inspirational person. And Don't use that word. Yeah. I, I, I just had to weave that word in. You know, I've got, time. I've got to weave yeah. that word inaugural in, um, in the context after <laughs> our inaugural first podcast with Dr. Noon. Um, so, you know, you're so well worthy of that. And look, we're, we're honored. You know what I mean? We are just really honored to, um, be interviewing you in the context. It's, um, as much of a thrill for us, to be honest. And, uh, we just wish to thank you for sharing your wisdom and personal triumphs with, uh, our back chat listeners. And just to reiterate brain awareness week. It's on the third week of August in Australia, that is, uh, between the 17th to the 23rd of August. And don't forget to bang on your beanie. Bang mm-hmm. on your beanie, absolutely. Yes. Excellent. So thank you to thank you for listening to Back Chat. To stay abreast with updates with Back, Back Chat, please go to our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Podcast. All relevant websites, uh, of, links of today's shows will be there. If you've liked the show, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. We'll leave you one thought. Be the best of what you do, and you will grow and inspire others around you. We look forward to catching up with you on our next Back Chat podcast. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.